Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We're excited to be in your house. I hope you, Lord, help us to feel excited to be in your house. To be reminded, Lord, that you have come and you have sacrificed that we might join together, that we might have hope in an otherwise hopeless world. Lord, we have come from so many different places, different um, attitudes and different perspectives. Some of us have had extremely good weeks. Some of us have had the worst week of our life. And we're barely hanging on by a thread. And we came looking for you this morning. And so we call upon you to show up. Why? Because we know you will. You have been faithful. You will continue to be faithful. There may be someone sitting in our pew next to us who's had the worst day of their life. They have come to meet you, Lord. And I pray that we wouldn't get in the way of that. I pray that your words in Scripture would be spoken in power because you are a powerful and mighty God. You know our hearts. They are broken. And that's exactly where you want us. To understand that we have broken hearts who need to be repaired. We need your love, we need your acceptance, we need your Jesus in our life. And so, Lord, as we look at your word this morning, as we take a first look at that woman at the well, for some of us, Lord, we're feeling down and beaten and ashamed and all those feelings that feel like we're not worthy to come to the throne. Some of those have been put on by other people. Some of those things have been put on by ourselves. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus than the Samaritan woman. In that moment of the scriptures that tell us how Jesus reacted to meeting this woman at the well. Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit in at this very moment that you would even now be working in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture is in uh, John chapter 4. I'd love to read the whole chapter, but if I read the whole chapter, we wouldn't get to, you wouldn't get to hear me talk about anything else. So, I want to encourage you that if you uh, get a chance to read the whole chapter of John chapter 4, um, I really stopped it um, today, uh, about a third of it, because I think uh, it's the part I need for today, but I would encourage you to spend some time in Scripture to see how this story ends, right? It's kind of like Paul Harvey. If you know who Paul Harvey is, you're old like me. Just giving you a heads up, right? I can remember being a kid at my grandma's, and she'd have the radio on at noon and say, for the rest of the story, right, you had to wait till the commercials were over to get the rest of the story. So, but today we're going to look at John chapter 4. 
Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee. Let me, let me read that to you again because I don't want you to miss this. He left, now you don't have a, we don't have geography, but let's just say we took Judea and Galilee and we said we're going from Erie to Pittsburgh. So Jesus went from Judea and is headed towards Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, not that I think Grove City is Samaria, but that helps you understand Samaria was in between Judea and Galilee. He had to go to Samaria, through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also the sons, his sons in livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not get thirsty and won't have to keep coming here to draw water. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Those people, Lord, that you bring in front of us, those people that we have a chance to share our love of you with, Lord, I pray even now that you'd open our eyes, our ears, our minds to allow us, Lord, to place someone on our hearts that needs to hear about your love. Who needs to hear about the hope that you offer in a life that's different than the one they're leading now. I pray, Lord, that even now, that that person would be embedded in our hearts. That, Lord, we would feel your love compelling us. That the Spirit would direct and lead us and guide us to share that message with them. And Lord, I pray that you would be faithful to put them somehow, by coincidence, in front of us. Lord, we never know when that timing that you have put in front of us is your timing. And we also know, Lord, that there are no coincidences in this world. That you put people in our paths to share our faith with because they need to hear it. They need that hope. And so, Lord, as we look at that this morning, I pray that you would remind us of that person, that place, that struggle, that thing that gets in our way. Those things, Lord, take those and remove those. 
Thank you, Lord, for the way that you love us. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. May it not be uh, that we sit in a pew in vain. May it be that today is a day that, that things are changed in our life. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. You guys awake? I'm feeling awake today. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good today. I don't know. I might have had two pots of coffee or something. I feel like I feel like I've had two pots of coffee, or maybe that there's something on my heart that needs shared. So maybe that's what I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to be here, and I hope you're excited. To be here. We've been talking. Uh, you may remember, uh, of course, we don't have as many of these combines like this. Uh, if you go a little further out west, I'm headed to Missouri this weekend, and you'll see uh, one after, I mean, they're just field after field after field, and so many that the dust clouds will, you'll see, when we were hunting a couple years ago, this dust cloud came. They were actually, we're uh, doing soybeans, like I don't know, half a mile away, and this big dust cloud just comes through. Um, but it's that time of year, right? Last week I showed you some grape harvesters. This week I thought I'd show you uh, something a little bit different. They uh, also are picking corn now. There's, it's that time of year where we're harvesting uh, things, right? Apples are being picked. I, I wrote down uh, earlier in the week that depending on where you're living... Uh, you may have had a killing frost, and then we had a crushing frost. <laughs> I don't know what day it was, Thursday or Friday? Friday. No, fr Saturday morning, yesterday morning. And uh, we had, I mean, so anything I had in the garden that may have survived was done, right? Um, but we're picking our last uh, things out of the garden. The apples are being picked. Uh, we're harvesting. And we, we, had a, we started a, uh, a, a three-week series on missions, and, and looking at the harvest in a spiritual way, um, we tend to uh, think about missionaries and missionary work uh, in, a, in a waylands, do we not? We think about missionary work as if I donate some money into my little the pot we had last week for the world mission offering, I have done my duty to help someone else live in Haiti or... Uh, Nicaragua or wherever it is, and they will share the gospel, and I am now off the hook. Right? Now, no one would say that, but I, I believe, I actually believe that I think that sometimes, right? That if I put some money in there, I'm now off the hook to share the gospel because I've given money to someone else who will share the gospel. And yet, that's not what really Scripture says. And last week, you may remember, we looked at... We looked at um, Acts chapter 6, where uh, the church, the early church has started, and we have people in our own community. Remember, I separated you guys from the Hebraic Jews to the Hellenistic Jews, and um, you guys, I think it was the other way around, but you guys weren't helping these guys. You weren't helping the orphans and the widows over here. You were taking care of your own, and we forgot about the other half of our church. And so we talked about that last week, about our, our mission begins here uh, here amongst us, right? And we talked about how that looks and how that should be and what we should do and, and that they picked these people um, who were from their own people to help 
begin to take care of the needs of the church. So this week, uh, we're going to look at uh, a little further out, right? And so I, I do have a question for you to think about. So what is your mission? Dead silence. What's that? Sword bearers. Right now, for Rachel and Tim, it's sword bearers. And if you don't know, I'd love for you to just come check it out one Wednesday night. Um, come in the gym about 6.35, because that's about a half an hour before, and watch how many kids show up from our neighborhood. Kids who are not... That's just, I need to remind you, this is a totally side note, but it's important. There are a lot of kids who come on Wednesday night. That is their church. Their families don't bring them on Sunday. Their parents don't go to church at all. Their church is Wednesday night. If you want to be in local missions, come hang out on a Wednesday night with your clearances, please. <laughs> come hang out on a Wednesday night and help Tim and Rachel. I, I, I'll tell you what has happened in past years, and I don't, want to know, I don't want to scare them away, but that group has continually grown throughout the school year until June every time we've had it. So they say 15 or 11 to 22, I bet no doubt will be in the 30s um, by Christmas. You watch. They need people help. They, they make it so easy for you to help. Just show up and be crowd control. You don't have to prepare a plan. You don't have to do anything but like, pretend that you like kids, right? <laughs> you get to play games, we'll throw dodgeballs at you, right? That's a great mission opportunity. But what is your mission? What mission has God put in your life to do? If you're a believer in Christ and you say, listen, I'm, I'm going to follow this Jesus. There's a bean on the floor. That's another mission. That's a Teens Alive mission from Wednesday. We thought we picked them up, but I guess we didn't. What is your mission? See, God didn't save you for eternity to just let you wallow from here till then. He has a mission for you. I talked a little bit about it last week. And I talked about young uh, moms with young kids, right? Their mission at that moment is to take care of those kids, to raise those kids up in the fear of the Lord. Pretty powerful place to be. What is your mission and if you think your mission is the same when you're 20, then when you're 40, then when you're 60, then you are really not listening to what God has for you in your life. Because it transitions. If I was still, my mission was still to raise kids, and I have no kids, there's a problem, right? I've been, I've been trying to lead Abe to Jesus all week long, but he won't listen. Dang that, Abe. He just pees on my leg. If you don't know who Abe is, you're like, what the heck is going on? Happens to be my Labradoodle, <laughs> who is as close to my kid at this point in my life as anything. Uh, he takes a lot of attention, and he works well with snacks. Right, Brian? <laughs> what is your mission? What mission has God put you in front of you for this moment in your life? It was exciting yesterday. If you were able to be here for Workday, I don't know. We had, I don't know if anybody counted. It was 30-plus, I think. 37. Okay, I, I didn't know really. I just knew the, the crowd was big. Thank you for those who were able to do that. And if you're still interested, there are other opportunities. The, the leaves are, oh look, we cleaned all the leaves yesterday. <laughs> There'll be more leaves. What is your mission? What mission has God put you 
on this earth to fulfill. Remember, he says, listen, I'm going to, I want you to be my witness in Jerusalem. That's in our normal, our city, right? Judea and Samaria, that's a little further out. That's what we're going to talk about today. And then next week, we'll talk about the ends of the earth. What is your Jerusalem, or your Judea and Samaria? I hope you're up. I'm going to, before I switch the thing, I'm going to ask this question. And I think maybe we should do this as pastors. I think we should have alternate ending sermons. Do you, know, do you remember those books? I'm old. Do you remember those books where you had alternate endings and we thought it was the best thing ever? It was probably before radio or something. I don't know. No DVDs, right? There was no DVDs. It was before CDs. Do you remember those books, those alternate ending books? Like, if you want the character to die, go this way, right? That's not really what happens. But if you want your character to do this, you got to choose. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, do you want to, you're going to have this opportunity to choose. I can give you this yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. So you guys can. So you guys get to pick. All right. Do, do you want just a normal sermon, or would you like one that challenges you a bit? Because you get to pick. I, don't, I, I get paid the same, right? <laughs> That's what I tell my wife when I'm washing the dishes. I get paid the same. <laughs> Which one? No, we don't. <laughs> Glenn wants the ch- the normal one. Anybody else want to know? I hope you came to be challenged this morning because I'm feeling like God is challenging me and he's challenging you to look at missions in a different way. And I don't want to waste your time. Today we're going to talk a little bit about prejudice. Now as soon as that word came up, I bet something came to mind. Probably someone else's prejudice first, right? (laughs) But I'm going to give you a second to think about, and for God, I've been praying that God would put on your heart this morning a prejudice you have. I've been praying all week that God would put a prejudice that you have. And don't tell me, don't tell me you don't have any prejudice. I'll call you a liar. Because none of us are that good. None of us are good enough to say we don't have a prejudice in any way, shape, form, or anything else. Now, some of them we're able to see a whole lot better than others, right? Some of them, it's really easy because the church defends it for us. And that helps us. But I'm going to challenge you a little bit to think about those prejudices you have in your life. I have them as well. There are people, there are places, there are things that I come up against and I automatically am prejudiced against. Whether I learned it as a child, whether I experienced it as an adult, whatever, whatever, doesn't matter how it got there, but we all have a prejudice. Do we not? Are we willing to go there? Is anybody, if you're not, talk to me afterwards because we'll talk about that. We all struggle with different prejudice. It might be that we struggle with someone in the homeless shelter who hasn't taken a bath in a month. And when we go down there to serve lunch, there's an odor. It might be the prejudice that says that person will, will never touch. Where's Pat Michaels? Is she here today? Pat's my, Pat's my czar of, uh, 
of uh, sanitizer. She's not here today. Um, when we go to the homeless shelter, I ask Pat to do one thing, and she's awesome at it. She stands at the door, and, and everyone gets a squirt of sanitizer in their hands because we don't know where they've been. We don't know what germs could come in, and so that's kind of the, the, the homeless shelter's way to say, let's try to make a, a positive spot, way that way, right? And so Pat is the best, most sweetest person. I've had trouble because I put the wrong person, and the per- wrong person gets there, and they're like, you need to squirt this in your hand and do it. And, you know, and they're not mean like that, but they're more direct. Well, Pat will love them into getting a squirt in their hand. <laughs> it's, it's her gift. It really is. Her mission for that day, right? And there are some people down there who really struggle. Um, they have some mental health issues, and they believe that there's something way more uh, deeper than just sanitizer in their hand. And Pat loves them into that spot, which is awesome, Right? But when you go down there and you experience people who haven't showered in a month, who haven't had a change of clothes uh, for maybe six months, who live outside for half the year, you quickly, one, realize how blessed you are, but two, you realize they're different than I am. They're different than I am. And I don't fully understand who they are. So let me ask, I gave you three minutes, I've talked. Do you have your prejudice? You know, I don't want to know. I don't want to know that what it is. I care zero. But I want to know that God put it on your heart this morning. Your prejudice. The one thing that you don't understand about someone else or some other place or some different person or someone that's not like you. Do you have that? Do you have that out in, in your heart? I hope you do. Because that is your Samaria. That is your Samaria. Do you know where Samaria is? Or was? North of Jerusalem. It's what we would call the West Bank now. Uh, it's, it's. You know why, do you know what the problem was? Do you know, and anybody know what the problem with, the Samar- with Samaria was? Half-breeds, exactly, Paul. That's what I wrote on my thing. They were half-breeds. They were half-breeds. These Jews left the Jewish colony and married idol worshipers. And the Jews hated them because they took on these other gods. They married into different families and different cultures and the Jews could not stand them. They detested them. You know what most people did? Remember I was talking about going from Erie to Pittsburgh and going through Grove City? They would go via Cleveland. They would go from Erie to Cleveland, stay in Ohio, cut back over to Pittsburgh. That's what happened. That's what's really different about this passage this morning. Jesus says, we're going to Galilee, we're going to Pittsburgh, but we're going right down 79, right through the center of Grove City, right? Right through Samaria. Do you know how much longer it took them to walk around? Any guess? Two. Took them two extra days to walk around Samaria. They didn't care. They weren't going to be 
in any way, shape, or form near those half-breeds in Samaria. And so they decided they were going to go around. Isn't it interesting that Jesus went through? I just think that's really interesting. For whatever reason, was it logistics? I don't know. Was it the Spirit leading them? That's probably a wouldn't be all bad, right? If we spiritualize it, we can say, well, yeah, Jesus knew that that lady was going to be at the well at the very moment he got there and that he would need to talk to her about living water and blah, blah, blah. I don't think that really is what's going on here. I think Jesus was going about his business doing his stuff, right? Doing what he needed to do, sharing the gospel. They're walking through, headed to Galilee. It's noon. He's tired and he's thirsty. And what do you do when you're tired and you're thirsty? You go to country fair and buy a Coke, right? Let's put it in today's, right? When you're tired, you've been walking since early morning. It's now noon. You're hungry and you're thirsty. And I don't know if you noticed, the disciples went from McDonald's. Did you see that? I couldn't find a picture of the disciples at the drive-thru at McDonald's. I looked for one. Ugh! Right? That's what's going on. Daryl likes that idea. They get cheeseburgers, huh, Daryl? But that's what's going on, right? It's noon. They have been walking all morning. They're thirsty. And Jesus shows up at Jacob's well by Dink. right? He shows up, and there's a woman there. So let me ask the question again. Where's your Samaria? Who is your Samaria? Jesus does exactly everything we do not do. Jesus makes himself available. He makes himself available by walking into Samaria. What do we do? Lock your doors and don't drive through there. Right? That's a rough part of town. You don't want to get caught there. Don't go to that Walmart. Don't go there. Just be careful. Be careful where you go. Go out and around. Right? Don't take, don't take any chances that someone might get you. Jesus did the opposite. I'm becoming more convinced the further I go in my faith walk that when you're uncomfortable, when you're feeling uncomfortable, when it doesn't feel cozy, warm, or just like normal, that maybe you're exactly where God wants you to be. Or maybe you're a whole lot closer to where God wants you to be than you realize. Maybe when it feels uncomfortable that someone in the Walmart line talks to you and you just don't want to talk to them because they're different. Maybe at that moment, that is your Samaria. Let me give you an example to help you think about. I have a friend, Christian friend, who lives her faith very seriously. And I don't know if you know, but there's a gay pride uh, parade every year in Erie. And I don't know if you know, there are people who go down there and protest. Christians. 
I understand why they have a problem. I don't have a problem with why they have a problem. I have a problem with how they acted out. Show me where Jesus hates people, and I'm all for it. I don't believe that's what he thinks, or that's what the scriptures tell us. My friend, she does something a little different when she goes down there. She doesn't have a sign, she has a cell phone. She takes her cell phone, and she goes down in the streets, and she walks the streets, and she meets young people. She meets young people who are on the streets, and she shares who she is, a person of faith, and she chooses not to judge them. She chooses to be a human being and treat them as humans. She goes down there and she shares her phone number. She doesn't go down there and try to share her phone number with 100 people. She goes down there and lets God lead the discussion and God lead the connections that she has. And she's a missionary in Samaria. Samaria Erie, right? And she says, you don't know how fulfilling it is to go down there for people to have a safe place to share their struggles and their pains and not be judged at that moment for the sins they have. That may be hard for some of us to take. Hard for some of us to think about. But I, I, I don't know if I'm there. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't know if I would go down. But I sure do admire her, Samaria, of going there and being a friend. I know another young lady who worked with someone who was a lesbian. And that, that lesbian was a Christian. And she was really struggling with where she was in life. But she had zero support from her Christian friends. And she didn't feel comfortable with her church. And she didn't even feel that she could even tell anybody. But she wanted to work herself out of that. She felt like God was calling her away from that lifestyle. But she didn't know how to do that. And you know what she needed? She needed a per one person on the other end to support her where she was, to help her work through the struggles, to help her work through uh, her confusion. And this young lady is now in the process of getting her life back to where God would want her to be. All because one person sat long enough to listen to her story, heard what was going on, understood, empathized with her pain, and said, I hear you. I'll pray for you. I encourage you to walk through Samaria. You know, there are other Samarias, right? Maybe your workplace. Maybe who you hang out with on Saturday evening. It may be your family. Or the hobby that you uh, like to do. Those may be your Samarias. I don't know. You all have different circles of life than I have. But I know this. God has put you in those places for a reason. It's not to have a good time. It's not to wallow through life. 
You have a mission. And sometimes it's just being there for someone. You don't know. I don't know how big of an impact we have on people by loving them and care about and caring about them and sharing our life with them and being transparent with them and helping them understand that Jesus makes a difference in my life today, tomorrow, and for eternity. It's just that simple. And may I remind you, good believers in Christ, in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You are boughten by the blood of the cross. I already talked about COC. I put that up there and somehow I got it out of order. But I want to remind you that there are those who are the least of you, those who struggle, those who have pains. And I challenge you and I encourage you to spend a moment to try to empathize, to try to understand where they're at and work towards sharing Jesus with them. And not putting all those rules that we want to put on them. The grace of God was good enough for each one of us. Did you know that? And we were all in that same spot. I love it. We're all in the same boat. I feel like we should have Noah's Ark boat here all the time. Right? We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We might have different sins. Some of them are more outward. Some of them we see on Facebook. Some of them we've heard about. And they're atrocious. And some of them, we've just turned our back on God. The second thing Jesus done, does, and we're already out of time. How does that happen? Is that he engages the woman. He engages the woman. Do you realize that why she was there at noon? Does anybody know why she was there at noon? Zach, is that what you said? So she wouldn't have to talk to anybody, right? My gut feeling is she probably had a hood over her head. She showed up at noon because Jacob's well was extremely busy in the morning when people... This is before we had a little tap, right? Everybody went to the well, the water jug. I always think, boy, they put the water jug in the office and we talk about everybody meeting there. That's what happened. Everybody would go there and get their water for the day. And so they would go there in the morning and it would be all this traffic. There's a line. They're waiting. And they knew who this woman was. And she lived a life of guilt and shame. And so she knew better than to show up in the morning where she would be poked at and made fun of. So she showed up at noon because she knew nobody would be there. Or so she thought no one would be there. And wait. Jesus was there. And what does he do? He engages her at that moment. Hey, can you get me a drink? Do you want a drink? Right? Can you get me a drink? Will you give me a drink? You think that's what he wanted? I kind of have to think it's, it was kind of a double meaning, right? He wanted a drink. It's noon. He's thirsty. He's been walking all morning. But he also knows that in the midst of what he needs is a drink, that he can engage this woman 
in a conversation. Now, I, you may not like this picture, but I felt like it was, I couldn't find a good picture of a woman at the well with Jesus. It's kind of a mix of like old times, new times, whatever. When we get in those spots, I want to move to this. When we get in these spots where we have, are in that Samaria, do you engage? Do you engage with people you don't know so well or people you haven't experienced so well? I know, you're probably looking at what the heck is that, right? I, I, I wanted it to, to look like walking down a dark hall because I think sometimes when we get in a new place and a new thing, it's scary and we're afraid to do that. Right? My nephew was at our house last night and he's like, I want to go in the basement. Well, none of his sisters, older sisters, were here with him. He was all by himself. He's like, I really want to, can I go in the basement? And we're like, Yeah, go in the basement. Sure. But he's only, what, five? I think he's five. And then he finds, he figures out where the door is. But you know what? Abe wasn't consoling enough to take. And his sisters weren't there and he was afraid. So he never went down the stairs. Because he was afraid of what could be down there. I didn't even tell him about the monsters in the basement, right? <laughs> I thought about it, but then I'm like, no, nah, he's only five. got to be nice to him. Right? But we're afraid of those things we've not done before. We're afraid of those things that uh, we haven't experienced. And I'll give you an example. About two years ago, I had a class called uh, Cultural foundations. I don't know what it was. Anyway, one of the projects in my class was this. Go somewhere, do something different that you've never done before um, to experience a new culture. And so I went really far away. I went to East 10th Street. That's a long ways. Well, I didn't know I was going to Korea at the time. So I, I, went, to, I went very far. I went to a church called um, Community Missionary Church. And I don't know if you know that church, but the Reverend Mock, uh, Charles Mock, is the pastor there, and it's an African-American church. And I thought, this will be a good experience for me. I've never been to black church. And, and I don't say that irreverently. I say I, I, was, I, was, I was excited. Part of me was excited. And a part of me was terrified because like, I'm walking into this church, and you know what happens when you walk into the church for the first time, and you're different than everybody else. And it's your first day, and you know that no one knows you, and that you know no one as well. That's good. No, it's bad, Ken. You don't know. I'll t so we walk into church, we sit down, and it is absolutely awesome. I absolutely loved the time that I was there. And I got to talk to the reverend, and I, we just had a really cool Time. But getting there was nerve-wracking. To get there, to drive in, I find a parking spot. I'm like, this isn't my area. I'm a country bumpkin, right? And this is in the middle of the city, and I don't even know how to park on the street. I just don't know that stuff. Yeah, right, exactly. Odd and even days, all kinds of weird things going on, you know? It's just different. It's different than my culture. And I didn't understand it, and I didn't feel comfortable. I felt very anxious. They took offering twice. I didn't understand that. I put all my offering in the first time. What was I thinking? Note to self, next time I go, I'm going to take more money. Or at least be a little smaller. I didn't know. I just, I didn't know. I was just, I, they, I, I don't remember. I think the first one was literally a missionary offering and the other one was a I don't know. Anyway, so I thought, oh, good, I'm good, right? And then I find, hey, they're passing again. I got no 
throw my credit card in there? What do I do? <laughs> Absolutely loved the service. Powerful, a new way to worship God that I have never experienced before. I, I wish somehow we could take the whole church there. Or, you know what I mean? Get that, just to experience that in our life. Because a lot of times we forget and we're scared to engage in something we've not done before or to experience God in a new way because that's not how we do it. I didn't grow up going to the African-American church. Why would we go there now? But so rich is my life from that experience. I absolutely loved it. And you know what? I learned so much more about God in that week in understanding the African-American culture, and understanding the struggles that are a part of the culture. And how that shapes church. There's a social justice part of that church that I don't, we don't see in here. We don't talk about the social injustices. Because we don't experience near the social injustices. That's the reality of the world we live in. I encourage you to go and hang out down there for a week if you get a chance. Powerful. Finally, we're out of time. We're over time. We're... Preacher won't shut up. Goodness. I want to encourage you to share your hope. This passage is out of Jeremiah chapter 2. It says, my, my, uh, Jesus, is talking, Jesus is talking to Jeremiah about what's going on. Uh, and I know that's hard to read. I didn't realize it would be that small. He says, they have forsaken me, their spring of living water. They have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Too often, way too often, we are always trying to find our own water source, are we not? We're always, did you see in this passage, and we don't have a lot of time to mess with it, but did you see in this passage that as soon as Jesus said living water, she's like, yeah, sign me up. Do you know why? They don't live in Erie, PA, where there's a creek every quarter mile. They live in a place that's dry and arid, and the only way you get water there is dig a big hole. Living water, she saw living, heard living water as a stream. She's like, maybe I missed somewhere there was a stream of water, and I won't even have to come to this stinking well. I won't ever have to put myself out. So give me that living water, right? That stream of water. I'll take that. And in Jeremiah, he says, listen, these people, my, my people have turned their back and made their own. They've decided that they're going to dig their own. And you know what? They're already broken. Isn't that us wanting to do our own thing? We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way, and we want somehow God to make that work. <laughs> I don't know why that's not. We tend to be a people who are selfish, who want what we want, and the heck with the rest. We tend to be a people who say, listen, God, if you're going to be on my plan, great. 
And the second it doesn't go the way we planned, we turn our backs. Or we turn to the right when he says turn to the left. We do the old Jonah thing, right? Jesus says, listen, there's, there's a spring of living water that will take care of you for eternity. It's not the kind of water you're going to drink. It's eternal water. A hope in an otherwise hopeless world. I want you to, if you get a chance, to read the rest of the passage. Right? We didn't even talk about what's going on. Um, you know, there's a ton that goes on after that. Uh, where he talks to her some more about where she's at in life. But I want to encourage you this morning that if you want that living, eternal water, that relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what you came for today. You didn't come to hear me speak. You didn't come to sing a song. You came for eternity's sake and to hear that about this living water that Jesus offers. That's why you came this morning. For some of you, you're at the end of your rope. Isn't that why people come to church? They get so in such a pickle, in such a bad place, they don't know what else to do or where else to turn, and I can't fix it anymore. And so, God, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance, finally. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to let you see if you can get me out of this mess. Here it is, God. Let me throw my baggage out there, right? Let me show you the luggage. I got a brand new set, and it's loaded with crap, right? It is loaded up to the gills. I can't even carry it on the, the plane. Let's see what you can do with this, God. And our God is faithful to take that baggage, to wipe our sins clean, and to give us a hope that we didn't have before that. If you don't have that hope this morning, I encourage you. I encourage you to take a chance. Take a chance by stepping out and trying Jesus. And tell me if he fails you. Because my Jesus has never failed me. I have failed me a whole lot more. Others have failed me, but my Jesus has never failed me. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder that we are never too far outside of your will. We are never too far to be brought back into the fold. We are never too far away for you to show us your love. Lord, this woman had five men in her life and she was known to be uh, something less than... Uh, upstanding as a person. And she was still worthy of your love. And she was still worthy of a chance to have those springs of living water. Lord, may we be reminded of that this morning. Because some of us are sitting in a pew right now and we feel so unworthy to ask you to come into our life. We feel like we don't deserve it, like we are just too bad, we've done too many bad things. We've somehow got outside of your realm of uh, forgiveness. 
Lord, remind us this morning that you are a great and mighty God, a forgiving God who loves us so. In your name we pray. Amen.